Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. I feel that there's nothing more truly artistic than loving people. And that is a quote by Vincent van Gogh <laughs> or van Gogh. So hello, hello, hello. How is everything in your world? Lovely listeners. I know holidays are kind of coming up if you're listening um, now and not in the summer, but um, so it can be stressful, profitable, a great time. So, you know, hope, hope you are anticipating everything that you'd like for you and yours this time of year. Um, I want to remind you that sharing about this podcast is a great way to support other people and also make sure that, you know, it continues. If you get value from it, please tell your friends and please go somewhere and subscribe. And if you're on uh, Apple music, leaving a comment and uh, rating it would mean a lot to me. So I am really jazzed to meet and pick the brain. I don't really like that word, but uh, that's what I'm going to do anyway. I'm going to suck out everything from Denise Birdsong's brain that I want to know. <laughs> um, God, that's Wait a minute, weird. are we doing start a that again? No, that was great. Are we doing a podcast or is this a zombie film? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So we won't edit that part out here. Yeah. Zombie film uh, later. <laughs> I I'm, think... here for, I'm here for all of it. Lucy. Good. I'm here. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. So let me introduce you to the lovely Denise Birdsong. She's an award-winning wedding portrait and boudoir photographer, and she lives in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Where do you live, Denise? I am in the Castro Valley area oh, in nice. the San Francisco Bay uh, area. Yeah. I dreamed I was in San Francisco last night. Uh, I must have known. Ooh, do, 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 do. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> um, so she'll share more about this, but through her experiences as a dancer and a model, Denise has mastered the art of communicating and storytelling through body language and expression. And we're going to talk all about how emotion is what makes a portrait really stand out and often a missing component for a lot of photographers. And she just loves to teach her master photography students her signature methodology that takes them to the next level of her craft. And guess what? She's going to share that with us today. So welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for Letting me pick your brain. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And as you said to all of the, all of your listeners, um, happy holidays if you're listening during this time of year. Um, and I'm excited to dive in and talk to all of you guys. I have so much interesting stuff I want to share with you. Yeah. What's fun for me, you know, if people listen regularly, they know that I interview a lot of people that I already know. And one of the really fun things about having this show is that I get to make new friends. So um, yeah, I'm excited to 
to get to know who you are and to learn from you myself and then share it. Okay, so you have a background, you said in um, dancing and modeling. Can you tell me a little about where you came from and how that got you to this point in your life? I Yes, I would love to. So um, I, as a young girl, um, I was a dancer. I started dancing when I was three years old. I danced uh, jazz, tap, and ballet. And as a dancer, um, well, as a little girl, uh, this wasn't quite as important, but as I progressed through um, that, that craft, that art, um, and I did perform quite a bit, you, you had to be able to tell the stories that the choreographers wanted to tell with body language. Obviously we weren't allowed to speak, so we couldn't speak the stories that we were trying to tell. We needed to get the audience to feel and understand the story that we were telling. And we had to do that with the way that we moved and facial expressions. So that was something that was just ingrained in me. I danced from the time I was three until unfortunately I was in a car accident when I was 20 and I broke my knee um, or broke some parts off my kneecap. Mm -hmm. um, And that ended my dancing career. Um, And then I was also a model. I started modeling when I was about, I think about 17 years old. And I'm not tall enough to do runway. I did very few runway gigs, um, but I did do a lot of print work. And my experience in dance really helped me quite a bit with um, the little bit of modeling that I did because intuitively, um, and it wasn't something that was happening on a conscious level. It was definitely a subconscious thing that was happening. But intuitively, I knew that I needed to emote in a way that was going to sell the client's product or get across the feeling that the client wanted to get across. And I would always ask, like, how do you want this to feel? I would either ask the the art director or the client if they were on set, you know, whoever was in charge, like, how am I supposed to make this feel? So then I could deliver through my body language what it is they were trying to get um, in order to present the product that, you know, I was selling. So and again, they were just, these are things that happen in the subconscious. So they were very mm-hmm. intuitive things that were happening because I started dancing at such a, such a young age that I didn't even consciously, I wasn't even consciously fully aware of what it was that I was doing. Sure. Um, so, so then just, um, just in terms of your bio, you got into being a photographer. So how did that, that happen just in a nutshell? Like what's your what's your photography background? And then we'll dive into how you took all of that. Sure. So um, when uh, I had my daughter at a young age, um, I finished college. I went into the software industry because I'm here in Silicon Valley and I worked in the software industry for years. I had my second child in my 30s and decided to take some time off of work. During that time, my daughter, who is a photographer and artist as well, I decided to start a business for her. Excuse me. I decided to start a business for her, a photography business for her. But she's very much the artist who doesn't want to get paid for her work. She's like Picasso. She won't be commissioned by anyone. She will only Mm -hmm. create what she wants. Mm -hmm. Um, so I bought her all the gear and I put together all of the stuff and she just didn't want to do it. And I was like, well, 
let me pick up the camera. Ah. And she was like, yeah, right. You don't know what you're doing. And I was like, watch me, you know, (laughs) don't, don't challenge me child. And, um, and that was that. So it was just kind of like happenstance. It just, it really just happened. I never had the intention of being a photographer. I never thought of myself as a, I honestly really never thought of myself as a creative, which is crazy because I was a dancer for so many Mm -hmm. years. And I never thought of myself as an artist. Um, and so I picked up the camera and it was just so incredibly natural for me mm-hmm. um, that within my first year, I had booked over 13 weddings um, and my business just took off like wow. crazy. Yeah. Wow. I love that story. I love how, um, and I know you're going to weave this in about your early career, but but how the thing that we're supposed to be doing when it finds us, I believe we can look back and see all the things that prepared us. Yes. For me, Denise, I love photographing kids. Um, every kid's aunt Lucy, basically <laughs> not, not just the one that with like dusty candy in her pocket, you know, that uh, <laughs> here, let me give you a hug, but like, the fun one, but the one that also wants to inspire kids to be their best selves. Well, I babysat. I worked at a children's store for two years. My my dad was a pastor. And to get out of having to sit in church, I would do children's church, which was just babysitting. So I had all in it at the same time. I don't know how the creativity came in because I'm a lot like you. I didn't know I was an artist, even though clearly... When I look at, I was always coloring. I was always, you know, writing poetry and things, but how, and I also loved weddings, which was a thing from my childhood. My dad, when I was five, officiated the most beautiful wedding in the history of weddings. And, you know, it just took me over. So, yeah, I love that, that, that your, um, then when you got that camera and you started doing it, it just felt so right for you. Um, yeah. So that's a good story. <laughs> yeah. Everything really fell into place. You know, you see, I was very, very close to my mother. Unfortunately, I lost my mom some years ago and I still miss her so dearly. And mm. she was very creative and she was incredibly emotionally astute. Um, mm very empathetic. I, a lot of the, a lot of the gifts, a lot of the things that make me who I am most definitely came from my mother. And I remember being a young girl going to college. Um, and I was also a hairstylist. I did that as well, um, to put myself through college. And I was a very successful hairstylist and her saying like, why don't you follow this path? Like you're so fantastic at it. And I was like, she's like, you're so creative. And I, and my initial response was like, Ugh, I am not a creative. I am smart. Mm. And she was like, okay, silly girl. There is <laughs> no difference. Yeah. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, my mom was a, my mom was a feminist from the sixties and seventies. And I remember the first time I broke the glass ceiling and made over a hundred thousand dollars, which was in the early nineties, which was pretty good for back then. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went straight to my mom's house. We still had paper checks then. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went straight to my mom's house. So excited. Like I knew she was just going to be over the moon that I broke the glass ceiling. 
And I remember flying through the front door and being like, look, mom, look. And she was like, "Mm -hmm, that's great. And I was like, dumbfounded by her response. And I was like, Mm. a little more excitement, mom. And she was like, I don't know. I just, I just don't know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. And I was so like deflated. I was like, whatever, I've got a hundred thousand, you know, I've just, I just hit that over a hundred thousand dollar mark. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, angry with my mom. And I like Uh left. And the minute I opened the studio, Mm. she was like, this is it, my love. And, and my first magazine cover, I swear to God, she had more boxes. I had to order more boxes of that magazine for that woman (laughs) than any local store had, because she always kept a copy of that magazine in her purse. And everywhere she went, she would like take it out and be like, look, my daughter Uh, shot this cover. And this is her inside editorial here. Would you like to keep it? (laughs) And she was just like, so proud that I was embracing my creativity Mm -hmm. and actually did find something that I was passionate about and my calling. So, so yeah, it's amazing how everything, when it finds you, it finds you. And, you know, some people know. And like me, some people don't, I didn't know. My mom clearly saw it. I didn't see it, but I am incredibly grateful that it happened. Well, yes. I thank you for sharing all of that. What kind of pops up in my mind is like when somebody finds that thing and you know it in your gut, like I knew and people said, Oh, it's even 40 years ago. They're like, it's too competitive. You can't, you're a woman, you can't be a successful photographer, blah, blah, blah. I knew something inside me knew this was what I was supposed to be doing. And what I find a lot with my coaching clients is they still are afraid to make the changes to, you know, fill in the blank, do the work, make the phone calls, sell, sell your work, uh, price for profit, all that stuff. And what I know, and I'm guessing you know, is when we find that thing, there is some kind of force that we can lean into and trust. It's, yes. It's like you're on, you got on the right train and the train is on the track and there's an engine. And so don't try to slow that train down. Just go with it. Do you have thoughts on that? What's your. Yeah, yeah I really do. I'm, I'm a big proponent for, um, failure tolerance. <laughs> so mm. another thing my mom used to always tell me, you're going to hear me talk about a lot about my mom, Lucy, yeah. um, never waste a good mistake. Right. Mm. And so I think when we start these journeys, when, when we do find that thing that we're passionate, when we do start moving in these directions, it's a growth journey. Right. And I believe that a lot of people think of failure as the end. And I think that that has to absolutely be reframed. Um, failure is not an end failure is in growth for, or an opportunity for growth. I should say, um, it's a start, it's a new starting point. So I feel like, yes, you do have to absolutely lean in. You have to be willing to skin your knees because when you do that, that's when you, you grow the most. If you're comfortable, you're not growing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're leaning in, um, and you're experiencing, I really, I can't stand the word, but I, I don't know another word for it. I don't know how to articulate it better, but if you do experiences those small failures, those little hiccups that mm-hmm. happen, 
those are like those golden opportunities to learn and grow and rise above where you are currently and, and go further and stay on that train, like you said, and not slow it down. Just keep going. Don't, don't let those things get in your way. Right. And, and just keep leaning in yeah. the harder you lean into it, the better you're going to do and the further you're going to grow right. and not just professionally, but personally oh, as yeah. well. Yes. I, and so for me too, the, cause I love that about the mistakes is also trusting that, that like, you've got an unseen team on your side that like we could call it the universe or your inner wisdom or coincidence or whatever, but that we're not just all by ourselves here having to do everything on our own steam that, yeah. And there's in our industry, there's such a strong community of people that like to help, you know, like we all lift each other up and I'm sure there's some people that experience um, photographers that don't want to share and things like that. But overall, this industry is such a loving, especially in the portraits, weddings, people part, you know, that people are very generous. So that also, sorry, I just interrupted myself. Segue. When you said that about making mistakes, I was watching a fun little TV show about inventions and they showed this invention where this guy made like a giant slip and slide uh, shaped like a, like a, okay. When you're skiing and you're going downhill, what's it called? And then you spin in the air. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ski, ski jump. Okay. So it's like a ski jump but it's a slip and slide. And then, <laughs> and then you end up in a pool. So you're, you're, it's pretty safe other than a belly flop. And so it's something that people that are ski jumpers or skateboard, you know, professionals, Olympic athletes use it. Uh, Cause then they slide down and then they can do those spins and then they they land safely like they're not landing in snow or concrete to practice tricks and things and I was talking to a client yesterday about um that some of the sales sessions that she's going to have to think about them like the practice runs like the giant slip and slide as opposed to oh this one didn't go off well I've failed that that um you know each thing we do is also a learning curve and some are more successful than others. So anyway, thanks for letting me share about that slip and slide thing. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good analogy to, to the, to the growth journey for sure. Okay. So I want to move to, um, first of all, one of your quotes or mantras is that an image should depict how something feels and not just how it looks. So let's talk, let's dive into that because I know that's your area of uh, passion and expertise. Yes. So, oh gosh, that quote wholeheartedly resonates with me. I mean, so, so very much. Um, I think the barrier to entry into photography, into this, into this art and I, I, you know, where can photography is considered a, um, an offshoot of the visual arts. We're not even considered one of the seven high arts, which I, I think is a is a shame because 
it is an art form like painting or sculpting um, or drawing it. I mean, it can be just as much, but I think the barrier to, to entry into this, into this craft, into this art is fairly low. It's fairly easy to get the gear and move into it. And I think a lot of us are very focused on like the technical aspects and a lot of what is taught in photography education is the technicalities, you know, of photography, how to use your gear, um, learning composition, rule of thirds, lighting, all of these things. And being a portrait photographer, um, yes, we do have to have these solid skills. These are all very important to executing, you know, well, well taken images. But the single most important thing that we're doing is we are capturing the intricacies of humanity mm. in our subjects and so that's not something that anybody has spoken about within this industry that is something none of us are taught none of us know how to go about eliciting that from our clients and it is the giant hole and missing piece within this industry if you think about it when you go to art school to be uh, a painter or, or doing illustrations, um, one of the first classes you have to take is a study of hands mm. and you have to over and over and over and over again, learn how to draw hands in a way that look, that looks natural and comfortable. And the reason that you have to learn how to do that is because bad hands in a painting bad hands in an illustration are going to throw the entire image off in terms of how it feels and the way that the human mind works when we see something and there's a tremendous amount of scientific studies that are behind this when you see something you actually feel um they're called mirror neurons we all have mm -hmm. lots of them your mirror neurons start firing and you feel the same emotions that you're looking at this is also where empathy comes from so if you get a bunch of images where your clients are nervous and uncomfortable which we're consumer photographers we are not commercial photographers shooting professional models who know how to emote we are shooting professional consumers who know how to be uncomfortable on the other side of the camera. Right. And if so, if we don't know and understand how to create feeling in our images, then what we're creating is images that are nervous and uncomfortable and, or are emotionally flat and people don't connect with them. And I think it's one of the reasons that photography hasn't made its way up to that high art place. Um, hmm. I'm here to change that. I want to revolutionize the industry. <laughs> um, but, but for right now, that's until more people know that's where we are. Yeah. Um, so mirror neurons. I just love, it's hard to say that word, mirror neurons. Um, so it, like when I sometimes watch uh, a video and somebody, and I, I really, I don't know why it's funny to watch somebody fall, but I get a physical reaction like in my tailbone when I am looking at uh, somebody falling on their, on their tushy, let's say. So is that a mirror neuron reaction? Is that what you're talking about? 
Absolutely. That is absolutely a mirror neuron. Here's a really great way. Here's another really good analogy or a great way to explain it. I think that will make sense to our, to your listeners. Imagine you're calling through a session, right? Mm-hmm. And think back to like the last couple of sessions that you called. And as you're going through it, if someone is looking uncomfortable and nervous, you start to tense up. Your shoulders will start coming up. Like pay attention the next time you're calling something to how you respond to the mm-hmm. images. Your shoulders will start to come up. And then all of a sudden you'll see like a run of big smiles and you'll catch yourself smiling with them. Right. This is our mirror neurons being empathetic. And this is actually, I mean, it's such a, humans are so complicated and so incredibly beautiful. It's just, we're amazing creatures. We really truly are. And this is where empathy comes from. Um, This is why we learn through mimicry um, as humans. Mm. So it's those mirror neurons that are, that are firing all the time. When we see other people experiencing something, we feel it with them, mm. which is why it's so important how to learn to create that in our work. So are there some principles? I love that. Thank you for that. Are there some basic principles of what makes something emotional? Like, you know, and it's art principles in, in general that I'm looking at and just a little story when I was in Barcelona, Barcelona, when I was in my twenties doing one of those backpack through Europe things, um, I walked in a, to a room and there was Picasso's painting Guernica. Have you seen that? Yes. And I'd seen so much art already through Europe. I'd been to the Louvre and and I stood there and I burst into tears. I did not know the story of Guernica. I didn't know anything, but when, but the way he painted that with, um, I'm guessing there was all kinds of principles, <laughs> all my mirror neurons fired off and I was devastated. And it's, it's the one I remember the most from seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of art. So can you talk about like some principles of getting emotion in a work of art slash photograph or, you know, what do you got on that? Yeah, so there are, you know, there are several things that I think that we do intuitively. We're not doing it on a conscious level. We're doing it on a subconscious level. Um, and reel me back in if I'm going in a different direction than you want me to, but oftentimes we'll get an image and we'll, we'll look at it. We'll capture that image and we'll look at it and we'll be like, it just doesn't have like the feel that we want. And so we'll put a black and white on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you throw that black and white edit on it and you tweak that edit the way that you want it to be. And then you'll finish it up and be like, okay, like there's more depth to it. There's something about it that feels, Mm -hmm. it starts to feel well, what's happening when you use black and white imagery is that you're actually creating an otherworldly feel with those colors. Because as humans, we see in color, when we see something in black and white, it actually triggers things in our brain that make it feel kind of like ethereal, mysterious, different, otherworldly. 
Mm-hmm. So you can actually create some impact by, by using colors. When you saw Garnica, I'm not sure if it was like the colors that did it for you or the, like the different emotive states that are happening within it or the fragments of like, you know, emotion that are in there. But I know that like, as view, like as artists, the things that we can do are using colors, um, okay. using intentional, intentionally using body language, um, watching hands, directing and coaching our subjects. Like these are all things that we can do, um, to bring like an emotive nature to our work, um, as photographers, as opposed to like painters or sculptors, but as photographers, those are our tools. And by the way, all of the great masters, you know, Van Gogh, um, Picasso, um, Michelangelo, Dolly, I mean, uh, we could just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, they all knew and understood this intuitively. Right. They were all looking to capture the human condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry, did I cut off a sentence? No, no, go ahead. Okay. So I was watching a show on uh, Masters of Art on PBS and they had a sculptor, it might have been Bernini, and then a, a painter, I think it was David, David. And mm-hmm. in both cases, they said a successful sculpture or painting of a person, it feels like they either are just about to say something or just did. And I've learned that we have 50 muscles in the face. And even the slightest thought changes how we read them. And like, how the heck does somebody sculpt that? I don't know, but we've got that luxury of interacting in a way that we can create an emotion in our clients, right? Absolutely. That it's going to come out, like if they're feeling something, like, and we can direct, like we're the conductors um, or the band leaders or something. Um, am I, am I uh, on track? Yeah, no, your you're absolutely on the right track. Think of it like this. So commercial photographers, fashion photographers, they're working with models who in and of their own right are artists because they know how to emote, right? They know how to bring across a, a feeling and an image. Kate Moss is a perfect example that little bitty thing at I think five, six or five, seven came into the industry in in a time where all of the supermodels were six feet and taller. And she took the industry by storm um, because she knew how to emote. She's probably one of the most famous supermodels when she had all the odds against her. She was also very waifish and, you know, everyone at that time was a little bit curvier. Um, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, compared to Kate Moss. They were and a size two it. instead of a zero. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But she came in being this very petite, small little thing, but she was so incredibly powerful with the way that she could emote. And so commercial photographers are working with, you know, models who are doing the work for them. And so we see their work and we think, oh my God, they're such amazing photographers. When in fact, like they have models doing the work for them. Right. We have the added challenge as consumer photographers, having people in front of our cameras who are just incredibly nervous and don't know. 
add to that, that we don't have the education of knowing and understanding the principles of body language Mm. um, ourselves, because you can never ask your client to do something that you can't do. I could never ask you like, show me your sexy face. I mean, immediately you would be in your head thinking a million different things, not sure what to do. Yeah. Or if I'm shooting couples portraits and I tell him, okay, I want you to look at her like you love her. He's going to be like, what does that even mean? Because we don't think about body language on a conscious level. Mm -hmm. Body language is something that happens subconsciously. So we need to learn all of the different emotive states. And we need to be able to show our clients these things and direct our clients with precision and intention. We need to create safe spaces where they feel comfortable letting down their guard and letting us see all the wondrous things that are inside of them. All of the things that truly make us unique and beautiful are not on the outside of us. They're the things that are on the inside of us. Um, and those are the things that make such captivating, beautiful works of art. It takes it from simply being a photograph to being something incredibly impactful and meaningful that not only our clients are going to respond to, but our potential clients are going to respond to, and that all of the viewers of our work are going to respond to because we're going back to the mirror neurons. Mm. They have no choice. They're humans. It, it's going to happen, period. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the way that we work, unless we're dealing with someone who's on the spectrum, who doesn't read body language and things like that. But just generally speaking, when you see it, you, you feel it. Right. Um, and so it is something that we can learn and it is something that we can wield with precision and intention. Mm-hmm. And it changes the emotional connection that we have with our clients. Um, it, encha- it dramatically changes our output. Um which in turn dramatically changes our businesses. Yes. And that's always, since this is a, in theory, a business podcast, (laughs) that's what I know everybody is interested in is how, how does having this ability, uh, you know, and growing in it, because it's a, you know, I know I spent a lot of years trying to have my family portraits have more uh, like where you could feel a warmth between people. Yeah, I would take the same workshops over and over again from photographers that were so good at that and try to figure out what are they doing? I'm not doing, what are they doing? What are they doing? Um, okay. I just took myself off the train for a second there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, it's okay. I think oh, what you're oh, getting at is as I got better at that, I started selling, like, you may not know this, but, um, listeners do like my superpower is selling three to seven or eight wall portraits. And if, and I wasn't as able to do that when my work was more static, when people like, if I pose people, I'll get the shot. And then I'll, now I'll think, how can I make them? How can I change the body language? How can I move them in a way, bend this, turn that, you know, say something that gets an emotion and invariably that one is always, you know, much more popular and sellable. So yeah, it helps our income is the moral of that story. (laughs) You know, it really does. It's funny. I had a conversation last week in my Facebook group. Um, 
I, we, I, we did a couple of round tables with students, just like a check-in. We did some lives. And <clears throat> during the conversation, we were talking about how their work had progressed. And, you know, I've always said, if you ever catch me teaching business, you will know that I have jumped the shark and hmm. someone needs to take me in the corner and put me on a timeout <laughs> because that's not my genius. Yeah. My genius is the art of this. And so I've always looked at <clears throat> this methodology and what I teach as elevating your art form. So I'm in the middle of this roundtable conversation with my students. And one of the students just, you know, spontaneously says, it's been bananas since I took the class. I am selling my top collection every single time. It's so much so that I'm currently in the middle of restructuring my prices. And the other student who was in it was like, oh my God, I'm having the same problem. I'm mm. selling my top collection every time. And I was like, huh. Okay. So I didn't think too much of it. Right. Later in the week, I had a second round table with students and I have five students in that one. And again, someone spontaneously brought up the fact that their sales are have increased exponentially and every other student said the same thing. And I was, I was like, okay, everybody pause, hold on a second. Just let's pause for a second. I've always taught this course as this is what you do to become a brilliant artist, to really create the types of images that are going to make you stand out, that are going to make you proud of your work, that are going to alleviate the imposter syndrome, that are going to really root you in your value and your talent and, and your ability as an artist to create beautiful, meaningful work. You guys are telling me that it's upping your sales. And I don't, Lucy, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> I think it's because I'm so focused on like, you know, the humanity of it all, right? right. Like th that's what I love so much. So I asked those students, I said, can you guys do me a favor? Can you go back and run your numbers prior to the class and run your numbers before the class? the lowest margin that I got was a 54% increase. That was the lowest one. Their sales had gone up 54% without changing anything else after taking the class. So learning how to create work and also the connection with your client, because mm -hmm. you're really taking them to a vulnerable place. If you're asking someone to open up and share all of the beautiful things that are inside them with you, when we usually keep all of that stuff guarded, um, when you're asking people to show up or you're creating a session where they don't feel uncomfortable and nervous in front of the camera and they feel really connected and the end product are beautiful images that they love and they've got this amazing connection going on with you and these beautiful images happening, you're selling more. Yeah. You're just selling a ton more. Right. Each of the girls was like, I'm selling full digital collections. And I went from showing, you know, 60 images to showing over 200 images because I have so much variety now and people mm -hmm. can't walk away from any of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, light bulb went off. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't know why I didn't think of that before. Right. Um, but there is most definitely a correlation between creating the type of work that is really like, you know, head and shoulders above what we generally see. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the money that you're going to make. Right. And one of the reasons I encourage um, people to sell their work and use a projector so that they see it big is all about the emotion. Because yeah. seeing something on an iPad or a laptop or their own computer has an impact. But when you see it big, 
it's like your heart wants to burst when it's beautiful. And it's, it's so um, like, I I don't know if there's like, maybe it's like a whole college class about the principles of emotion in art, you know, like as humans, there's certain things, shapes, colors, lines, like the Guernica, there's a lot of sharp things. And if I looked at it, there's probably colors that create a feeling of discomfort. And there's a, there's an angle of the horses where just their heads that look like they're screaming and there's chaos and all of those principles created a certain feeling. And, you know, I'd love to, I don't know if you know, like some of the specifics on just in the visual sense, um, or maybe you've already with the colors, like, are there, am I asking a question that's answerable? <laughs> Without- well, it's a tough one, right? Because art is incredibly like it's subjective and people experience it differently, especially when we're talking about paintings, um, sculptures, poetry, prose, things like that. We all kind of respond to it a little bit differently. Um, I think you're onto something when you're talking about um, you know, Garnica with like the lines and the shapes and the in that painting, things feel like they're crashing into each other. There is a tremendous amount of like, like it almost makes you kind of hold your breath. Sorry for that. Um, there's a little bit of, of tension, not a little bit. There's a tremendous amount of of tension tension in it. Yeah. And so, you know, Picasso did this obviously very intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, So what would be then the opposite as portrait artists where we want to, to create a feeling that feels good? Um, perfect example. Perfect example. And a very simple one. If you pick up a, you know, a fashion magazine and uh, or go through one of your galleries and or or go through another photographer it's probably better to go through another photographer's gallery right Mm -hmm. go through their gallery and look at the images and just kind of sit with them and see how they make you feel one of the things that i've noticed is that when people's mouths are tightly closed i hold my breath Mm. so again this is mirror neurons at work right i am subconsciously responding to the tenseness in someone's mouth mm-hmm. when I, when I see their work. So getting people to breathe while you're mm-hmm. sh- shooting and breathe with you is incredibly, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Or there is like a tenseness in that photo. Um, someone like me, who's incredibly empathetic, um, I'm going to feel it more maybe than most people, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> everyone's going to feel it to a degree. Um, taking a big, deep exhale, right. And dropping the shoulders and just kind of rolling the head back a little bit and relaxing the body some, um, and making sure that those hands are not posed, but actually have a job, um, is also really important to creating an image that actually feels more comfortable. So, I mean, really it's very simple. If your clients are nervous and uncomfortable, and you're not sure how to direct them out of that state. And we've all had this. We, I think we all like to call it the difficult client, right? And mm-hmm. that's a myth. There's no such thing as a difficult client. It's us not knowing how to coach and direct that client. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, but we've all had that mythical, you know, difficult client who we can't seem to get anything out of. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're not coaching and directing them to get anything out of them. Right. Okay. So, so taking a breath, I, I, I think we've kind of moved, like, I'd love to explore uh, those tips along with um, the, like the tips to create the feeling. So the breathing, take a breath, relax the shoulders, um, knowing like a relaxed mouth is incredibly important. And that's one reason I don't always encourage families to select the pictures where kids are smiling because that's, that only creates one feeling. Yeah. Is a smile back and it's not bad, but for the art portraits, that relaxed mouth and then the eyes, um, the, the way that, um, so the way that our eyes react when we feel something is involuntary. And so I'm thinking about when I have someone take a breath, it's, it, it makes the mouth more natural, but it also does, it's like the eyes sparkle, but it's all those little muscles around our eyes that respond. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And you said something very interesting. You said when we, I believe you just said, when we take a breath, like involuntarily, these things happen. Um, You know, the eyes, the eyes change the muscles around the eyes. It's that way for everything that we do with body language. It is all when we change it, everything is happening in involuntarily, right? Mm -hmm. It's happening on a subconscious level. It's just knowing and understanding those things that you can do to make that, to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Breathing with your clients is one of them. Okay. What's another? So do a checklist, breathe with your clients. What else? Vocal intonation is everything, Mm. everything. So Lucy, if I was directing you and I wanted to get, let's see the emotion that I was going for was like coy. I wanted something kind of like coy and cute and flirtatious. I'm going to direct you in two different ways right now, just vocally. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel the difference just through the vocal intonation. So, okay, Lucy, you're my client right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're, we're standing at the beach and the waves are behind you. And what I want you to do now, I'm going to do it improperly first. Okay. And then we're going to go ahead and do it properly second. Okay. So I want you to turn with your right shoulder to the ocean. And I want you to look over your shoulder at me and I want you to put your chin down and I want you to smile at me like, Hey girl. Okay. (laughs) Do that. Turn your shoulder. I want you to do it right now. Turn your shoulder. Come on. Let's turn that shoulder, dip it down, bring your chin down and look up at me and give me that cute little look right there. Okay, great. Good job. Okay. Ew, did that feel good no, to you? Did that no. feel yeah. And how much of that do we do? How much oh, of like so much. directing our clients with, you know, just a monotone or like a disjointed vocal intonation, right? Yes. Okay, so are you ready to do it again? Yes. Okay. So I actually want you to do this with me. Yeah, well, I want I did. you to feel it. I did. Okay. Okay. And listeners, I want you guys to do this as well. But if you're driving, okay. do it carefully. <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah. Just do the facial part. Yeah. Okay. So 
Perfect. I want you to go ahead and take your left hand and kind of bring it down, rub it down your leg a little bit. And I want you to drop that shoulder. Good, 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 good. Okay. Now I want you to tip your head right to the right. Perfect. And lean in just a little bit and take a big, deep breath with me. Hmm. Okay. Take that chin down. Perfect. Perfect. I want you to look up through your lashes at me and I want you to look at me like, Mm, you know something I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Wow. Awesome. Good job. Yeah. I've got my shot. Yeah, okay. Now I am also mimicking this body language for them mm -hmm. so that I have their mirror neurons firing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and when the mirror neurons start firing, what happens is the amygdala lights up that's a part of the brain. It's mm -hmm. uh, the amygdala is in the middle of the brain. The amygdala lights up and this cascade of like chemicals start flowing through your body. And so I don't know if you felt it, Lucy, or mm -hmm. if the listeners felt it, but what just happened is I changed your body chemistry. Yeah. Wow. I love this that. is some seriously powerful stuff like incredibly powerful mm -hmm. that changes completely revolutionizes the way that you shoot wow. and the way that your clients experience a session with you and the way that you're able to capture humanity. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to your vocal intonation when you're working with your clients. If you want something sweet, don't be monotone and tell them, okay, put your hand on your hip, lean your shoulder forward and smile. Right. There's like this schism that happens in the brain and they're just like, huh, what? And you're making them more uncomfortable. And so you get an even more tense image. I'd love that. I'd love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, I, not, you know, but I, I do, um, people say that I get emotion in my work, you know, it can always be more, but somehow without having somebody teach me that specifically, I figured those things out, but I love that we can like have a plan and do it yeah. and learn it. That's, love that's the beautiful thing about this. Some of us do it. Yeah, Some I of like us you. just do it intuitively. Yeah. You I'm know? like you, I'm an empath or I'm very sensitive to, yeah. you know, like the, all of it. Um, yeah, but yeah. Now, one reason I work on a tripod mostly is so that I can mimic and make eye contact and emote and see how I can shift them or tell a story or something to change their body chemistry. I love that. You've given me a new term. You know, it just frees me up because yeah. it's hard to hear people behind a, behind a lens. Um, but I never coach from behind my camera big, huge, no, no. You lose connection with your subject. If you've got your camera up to your face. Yeah. So I will coach for everything up to the point where I, I start shooting. And as I start shooting, I maintain that vocal intonation that is mimicking the body language that I've already demonstrated for them. And the amazing thing is, you know, a lot of this can happen by happenstance. Um, some of us, I don't think there are very many of us, but some of us do do this intuitively, but when you know it and you can use it with precision and intention, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. It just changes everything. Mm -hmm. So are there other tips? So we've got breathing, 
vocal intonation. Is there another? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So we have evolved from, you know, cavemen. And when we were, when we were, when we were cavemen, we didn't have, you know, we didn't really have language. We did a lot of like body gestures, um, jumping up and down and using our hands. And, you know, our evolution is not, you know, relatively speaking, it's not that far behind us. So something that our brains are still very keenly in tune with and very aware of our hands, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, in the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how when artists go to art school, one of the first things they have to do is a major study of hands. Um, We have to pay attention to what hands are doing. Our body holds a lot of our tension in our hands. Posed hands never look or feel natural Mm -hmm. ever, ever. Um, So giving hands a job is a great way to start taking, removing some of that tension and some of that like very posed um, kind of canned look out of, out of your work. So make sure that you give hands a job. So you mean like digging a ditch or making a pizza (laughs) or (laughs) what kind of jobs? (laughs) Okay. Okay. You cheeky thing. You, um, uh, no thumb, thumbs, thumb in a pocket. Um, you know, if you're shooting a couple, having her holding onto his lapel, rubbing the back of his head. If you're shooting a family mom, not just putting her hand on son's shoulder, but like tightly wrapping her arms around him, um, running a thumb along a cheek, you know, if it's two people, if it's a mom with a child, it could be her like holding the index finger underneath his chin and like rubbing the thumb across the top of his chin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very lightly rubbing the side of the face. I call this almosting, by the way, mm. um, because if you do it too hard, you're going to like mess up features. Right. So we do this like kind of practice of almosting. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting someone individually, you want to make sure that their hands are engaged with their face, their hair, their wardrobe, or their body in some way, not just like a hand with all of the open, open fingers placed right at the top of the shoulder. That's very, something very common we see in beauty portraits where we're, we'll bend that elbow up and bring that hand up to that collarbone. This is just, this never happens in real life. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing yeah. this? It's jarring when you look at it in a photo. That's not what a hand right. does. But if you want to take that hand and then take the index finger and lightly run it across the collarbone and down the shoulder. Well, that's a whole way to create a whole new feel. And by the way, that's something that we do subconsciously when we're flirting mm-hmm. um, is we'll touch parts of our body yeah, our where hair. we want people to look. Mm-hmm. And it just, again, flirting is not something we do consciously. It happens on a subconscious level. But when you learn the science behind all of this and the methodology of all of this, it all just makes perfect sense and you can put it all together. Mm. Um, So yeah, giving, we're not going to dig ditches with hands. Um, (laughs) Save for later. Yeah, that's that's another, that's another episode. Um, But we are going to get them engaged. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. a husband like running his hand down the sides of his wife's face instead of just holding onto her face with fingers like out and uncomfortable. Or I'm thinking Um, about the, like the solo where, um, (coughs) and kind of common in like studio senior portrait 
where we're going to take our hand and put it under our chin. And there's a way oh, that God. feels really natural. And then there's yeah. that fist thing that, you know, the, the little pose. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks so aggressive and not good. Like there's, yeah. <coughs> there's a way to do it well and a way to do it. Uh, not so good. I'm going to pause. Yeah, I think a really nice way to do that would be holding onto an elbow, like one arm crossing the body, holding onto the elbow. Okay. Start that again. A really nice way to do that would be like wrapping one arm across the body and holding onto the elbow and just like loosening up that wrist, loosening up those fingers, and then gently resting just the the tip of the index finger or the pointer finger I should say right underneath the chin and letting all of the fingers kind of fall underneath it mm -hmm. and kind of collapsing that collarbone in just a little bit leaning forward and breathing out just a little mm. that's going to create a beautiful image as opposed to hand under chin mm -hmm. distorting features right pushing the cheek up yeah yeah uh, we just don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I noticed also, and maybe this is tip number six, and maybe not. We'll see, because that's why I'm asking you the questions rather than telling everything. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I just blab on and on. Um, but I noticed on pictures on your Instagram that people, there's a lot of curve. There's a lot of there's not a lot of straight arms and legs and body, but there's a lot of leaning in. There's a lot of twisting there. Is that a, like, can you talk about that? The actual body or does that just go along and people do it naturally? You know, what do you got on that? No one does that naturally, <laughs> <laughs> but it creates a feeling. I, and do you know why that creates a feeling before you tell yes. me how to get it? Yes, absolutely. So obviously S curves are very feminine, right? So we want to create those, but um, I have a tendency to lean more towards like an editorial style of imagery because that's the background I come from. And it's something that I just love. Um, it, that's not always the case when I'm working with my clients because not all clients want that. Um, but the clients who do want that, I definitely give it to them. Um, but I do like I, I do like bringing the body kind of like folding the body in on itself quite a bit. So, you know, collapsing the, the collarbone and bringing the decollete in, um, bringing a knee in, pushing the hip out, creating that S curve. Um, these things that are, these are things that are associated with more of like a, um, a longing type of emotive state mm. or a vulnerable type of emotive state, which happen to be two of my favorite things to photograph. They're also probably two of the hardest things to photograph yes. in clients. Um, so you do see a lot of that on my Instagram because that's work that I'm drawn to, but like the, you know, the opposite of that would be things that are really joyful and that type of body language is like really open and happy and big smiles and arms kind of at hips or one arm at the hip and one arm like kind of pinned to the pinned to the hip, but the hand out with a big, huge smile or hands and hair and a big, huge smile and laughing. Um, or confidence, which is like really big, strong, wide open body language, hands on hips, shoulder leaning forward, chin down, like 
And you can hear my vocal intonation. I can't right. help it. My vocal intonation Perfect. just changes even when I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a lot of practice, guys. It's like learning how to how to hone that. But you can all do it. You can all learn how to do it. Um, so for me, all of those, the curves that you're talking about, Lucy, if you look at those images, you can, if you, if you kind of just sit with them and feel them for a second, instead of just looking and you feel, you can feel like the longing kind of feeling with them and like the vulnerable type of feeling that they elicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you see things that are a little bit bigger and more powerful, you can feel that like, mm, that like owning their own and that confidence and that strength and that swagger and, you know, all of those beautiful things that are inside of us as well. Mm-hmm. So the body language absolutely changes based on the emotive state. And I probably should put more images up on my Instagram that show other emotive states as opposed yeah. to just sticking with the things that I love yeah. so much. So in a nutshell, what I think I'm hearing is paying attention to the posture um, or I've also been heard it called gesture. Um, and so like when you when you were saying, you know, strong, confident, I automatically, as I'm sitting here, my, I sat up straight, my shoulders mm-hmm. came back, my chin was up. So it's a posture and it, what, what I'm guessing with you, it's probably true with me and probably my listeners too, is either sometimes you say, okay, I need you to sit up stronger and open your chest while you're having those intonations. Or sometimes you say, oh, go really like, think about what you're proud of, let's say. And then the posture is going to happen when they think the thoughts and feel the feeling. Is it? That is that. Yeah, that is something that you can do. I'm not, I personally, I know it works for some people. I'm not a huge proponent of using prompts um, because I feel like those can go sideways really quick. Sure. I prefer to um, to demonstrate to my clients what I want from them so that I can get really genuine um, okay. inside of them and pull it out as opposed to, you know, I'm always nervous about using prompts because I'm not quite sure how they're going to respond to them. Right. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And I don't like not having control of what's going on. Mm. So I like to, I really like to demonstrate. Um, so you're like a benevolent puppet master. <laughs> yes, because, ma'am. Because, yes. and you've got <laughs> strings on your body and using your words and your own gestures and connections. It is is like a string and is pulling their strings. Yes. It is a game of follow the leader because Mm -hmm. I am really relying on the science of I'm, I'm relying on neuroscience. Like I have got a tremendous amount of studies that all of these neuroscientists have been so kind to do for me. So I'm relying on all of the research. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, peer reviewed papers and studies that they have done um, that proved to me that, that using the subconscious and tapping into the subconscious of your clients consciously, like we're doing that consciously, they don't know we're doing it, but Mm -hmm. we're doing it consciously. We're, we're legitimately controlling how they feel. Right. Um, And and we are eliciting true honest responses out of them that, that this is another really interesting thing about it, Lucy, 
when they look back at the photos, they recall the feelings that they had while taking the photos and mm-hmm. the feelings are warm and they're good and they love them. And there's, so then there becomes an even stronger emotional connection to the image mm-hmm. because they're relating it back to the experience of the amygdala going bananas and, you know, changing all of the chemistry within their body. Well, and what's so interesting to me is, and then the viewer gets the mirror neurons and the same thing <laughs> when happens. no one is around, you know, I yep. have, I, I did a show once at an expo, a baby expo or kid expo. And I have some images that I've gotten in loan collections, big awards of PPA and stuff. And then also some on display that I, I enjoy. And so I had a lot of wall portraits and I would ask people, which is the favorite, which are your favorites? You know, they'd be like, oh, I love these. Which are your favorites? Every time they picked the ones that got the high awards. And, you know, it's just so mysterious to me. But as you're talking about the chemistry that and the, the science, the neuroscience, that somehow something about an image fires off a feeling that is common with everybody that looks at it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. that's exactly what is happening. And that's like when people are entering in print competition and yeah. they wonder, you know, why did Lucy give that a high score or why was that the dreaded 78? I think you just defined it that it didn't fire off my mirror neurons. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is like, I mean, this is like, Fascinating. this is groundbreaking, um, revolutionary way to think of our art form. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I can't say it enough. It really does change everything. It just completely changes your entire perspective on your intent behind how you're shooting and how you're creating the work that you're creating. I like to call them happy accidents and I don't think we should ever make them. I think that we should be working with, I, I think that we can be working with intention. And if we can be working within, with precision and intention, why not? Right. Yeah, exactly. Why, why have that happy accident happen and then be nervous in your next session? Like, oh my God, is this going to be a difficult client? Am I going to be able to get this type of images that I got last time? And you get that client who's closed off and nervous and you don't know how to open them up and get them to where you need to get them to. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I didn't get the images. Like, oh man, like it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It never has to be that way again. Right. Yay. I know it's, it is really exciting. It is really exciting. It is. It is. And it's funny. I saw another photographer work in this way and I watched him work and I was watching him work. I was saying, he's using this method. He just doesn't know it. And he was a, he was a former ballet dancer. Mm. And I was like, yep, he just, because all of, you know, because of the things that we're talking about reside so firmly in the subconscious and you know, the subconscious is at play. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting everything we do consciously, but we don't think about it. Right. And so, because all of this is so firmly rooted back there, um, it's just not something that comes to the forefront of our consciousness. So yeah, we're kind of working blind, but we don't have to, we can pull back the curtain. Yeah. I, I love that. Like I'm thinking about, um, 
I, I watch Dancing with the Stars and I watch America's Next Top Model because I, I love, like, it, it's so clear, any of these contests, singing contests, whatever, where somebody does a thing and, the, and you feel it and you're like, wow. yeah, they should get a high score. And so I'm pretty much figuring that something in what they did, their intonation, their, the way they felt when they were singing that or moving their hand or uh, facial expressions, whatever, that it's all um, like this incredible um, ability or I don't know, I guess maybe would you say it's like, if I feel it, you're going to feel it. So figure yes. out how, if you're doing a dance and your arm is going out, how can you do it in a way that it feels really good to you and expressive? And then the person will get that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Art quality, all of that is so fascinating. Yeah. Another, <clears throat> another part of my journey, <clears throat> forgive me, I'm getting over a cold that my little mm. brought home. Um, another part of my journey is I have a son who is 13 years old and he has autism. Mm. And so obviously he, um, typically kids on the spectrum, they don't, they don't empathize as well. They don't recognize and understand other people's emotions as well. Um, so, you know, from a very young age, um, I, we've been in ABA therapy and we've done a lot of training, um, and working through that. And he is like, so emotionally astute. It's crazy. He's like my mother. I think he got the same gifts. Mm. It just got passed down, which is not something that happens generally speaking with, you know, children with autism. And that is a wide sweeping statement. They're all different and at different levels. Um, but you know, I volunteered in his classroom for years and I've worked with kids on the spectrum for years and watching them not know and understand. And those, those synapses um, and those neural pathways not being laid down and having to work on laying down those, those neural pathways. So those synapses can fire and they can actually intuitively know and understand these things that so-called neurotypicals mm -hmm. do understand um, has been really um, quite heartening to me because it's just more proof to me that even though we might not be working on a conscious level, um, there's so much neuroplasticity in our brains that we can lay down new neural pathways and we can create room for those synapses to be fired. And, and we can actually do this with everything, whether it be learning, you know, a methodology to do this or learning how to value yourself and, you know, charge what you're worth and be successful, you know, entrepreneur and artist within this industry, which is you, which is what you're teaching your, you know, um, people that you mentor and your, and your, um, podcast listeners, we all have the ability to do this. There's you, every single one of you has the ability to be a successful business owner, um, by learning what you can learn from Lucy and other places, um, and to be a successful artist, because you have this beautiful gift of neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity allows you to lay down new neural pathways where synapses can fire and you can learn and grow and be better and do better and understand everything around you and new and exciting ways. It's just like, I don't know. 
watching these little struggle with this and then seeing like whole new worlds open up to them and know how much easier it is for neurotypicals to do this. And there's no excuse for us not to be doing right, this. Right. And that there's this big, brave, beautiful, bold new world that we can all explore. It's just, it's very heartening to me. I love it. And so I'm thinking, I wonder if some people are glazing over at the like terms, building synapses and things like that. And then I thought, yes, but hearing you speak in that way is actually building those neural pathways in the brain for you to understand them more the next time you hear about them. <laughs> yes. We have to start somewhere, right? Yeah, just like with, with, um, digital and Photoshop, I sat in classes for a couple of years before I even had a digital camera so that I could start creating those little pathways into my brain that when it was time to, you know, get on the track and understand what to do. Um, you know, our brains are just so plastic and so we can grow so much more into our yeah. brain. So you have opened up whole new neural pathways with my listeners. And I hope, um, well, I know that the value of this is something that they won't even be able to calculate. They just are going to, just like when I learned to really see light, yeah. Then I couldn't unsee it almost to a point where it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, but so knowing now that the more about the neural pathways, I'll be thinking about that. Like I know about it, but I never connected the dots so strongly before this conversation with I, my I work think- and why I get the people looking comfortable and warm and curious and you know, loving each other and all of that stuff. So yeah, I love it. I think if we really just want to simplify it, if we just want to take it down for the audience, so it's just really simple. It really all kind of boils down to humans are empathetic creatures, Mm. period. We feel what other people are experiencing. It's just the way that our brains work. It's how we are wired, period. So we can take out the whole mirror neurons. We can take out. No, I want them. I want them to have those words in their brain so they can keep understanding it deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, you can have it in your brain, but if (laughs) you want to take it down to like a really simple, just a really simple statement, um, a really simple idea that we can get our heads around and we can move from that is that we feel what other people are feeling whether that is in a painting that we see, if it's in a photograph, if it's watching something where you see someone fall on their tuchus, mm-hmm. um, if it's when you're calling and you know, it, it's, it's in all of these things. We are empathetic creatures. That is how we are wired. Mm-hmm. We feel what other people feel. So we have a choice right now. We can continue creating images without understanding how to elicit the emotions and the feelings that we want our images to um, be full of life with, or we can learn how to do it. And it's not that hard to learn how to do it. It it does take some leaning in. Mm -hmm. It's I've broken it down into such an incredibly easy methodology um, that anyone, anyone who wants it can absolutely do it. And two really good ways to start, like we talked about are three actually good ways to start are, um, 
giving those hands a job because the body holds a lot of tension in the hands. Mm -hmm. Um, the deep breathing, that's Mm -hmm. really important. Um, keeping a relaxed mouth is really important and vocal intonation. Everybody, we really, really, really? Want to work on our vocal why intonation. do we want vocal intonation, Ms. Birdsong? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because I think people will recognize even from this podcast, yeah. like without even seeing the body language demonstrated, you can feel it just through the vocal intonation, mm-hmm. like. And when you add the body language on top of that, oh my God, like it's just, it's a no brainer. I mean, so normally um, I ask you two questions, but I think you've already answered number two. Uh So number one is Mm -hmm. about, I know you have a special offer for people that want to get into your world and get, get a goodie from you. So where, what would that be and where can they, um, sign up for that. So I have a Facebook group, a free community Facebook group. It's called Strip Down the Art of Emotive Photography. And once you're in the group, we have a ton of freebies for you. Actually, um, if you go into the top and you go to guides, um, there are several things. There's an in the sheets posing guide, um, which I would point people to. Um, but there's also a lot of other really free goodies and it's a great community to be in. I will let you guys know it is a boudoir community. We are in the process of transitioning to have it just be portraiture because this methodology doesn't just work in boudoir photography. It works across the majority of portraitures. I'm going to tell you right now, this doesn't work with babies. Um, cause you can't coach and direct them. They do whatever they want to do. And it doesn't well, work with pets either. I beg to differ with you. But that would be another conversation. Absolutely. Oh, I would be really interested to have that. They might respond to vocal intonation in your body. They respond to everything. Okay. But okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll have another conversation on that. Okay. That sounds good. I would really like to learn more. In fact, part of why I love photographing babies is because of that, Hmm. because I feel what they feel. And I, anyway, we we don't want to get off track. Tell me again, uh, where they, what the Facebook group is so it's on facebook it, it is stripped down the art of emotive photography okay and we would love to have you that that would be that would be awesome and we've got all kinds of great like free guides we've got a four-week styling course we've got it in the sheets posing guide um and we are expanding our audience again um we're expanding our offerings and our our education and information and community to include all portraiture because this methodology works across again it's above genre it's just it truly is above mm-hmm. genre okay doke so my second question is usually what would you leave us with but you already said simple humans are empathetic number one give hands a job two deep get the breathing going three vocal intonation so does that pretty much is that your like parting thoughts or is there one more? No, I have one more. Okay, good. I think that if you're taking the time to listen to this podcast and you are looking for growth um, and you have a growth mindset, which you clearly do if you're listening to this, I want to tell you that I'm very proud of you for that, that it's not the easiest thing to do and continue to lean in and continue going on your growth journey 
and find new ways and different ways and surround yourself with people who are growing as well. And with that, you're going to be successful. Don't be Mm. afraid to skin your knees. Um, Go ahead and lean in and use the community to pick you up when you need it. But I'm very single proud of every single one of you who are here Mm. listening to this because you obviously genuinely care about your art form and your craft. And that's a beautiful thing. Thank you for that. I'm proud of them as well. So proud squared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Denise, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Listeners, stay tuned for my quick wrap up after she and I have a fond farewell. Um, It's just been a delight and um, a lot of eye-opening things for me, which um, part of why I do this is I, I love to learn new things and have new, exciting perspectives. So yay. Thank you, Denise. My pleasure, Lucy. I'll be looking forward to hopefully seeing you in class in, in 2022 when we're expanding to all portraiture. I would love to have you in there and teach you all this stuff. That would be great. Okay, doke. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thank you very so much. Like, thank you so much for having me on, Lucy. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to spend time with you. Um, and to get to know you and to be able to speak with your listeners. I'm very grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love that conversation with the lovely Denise Birdsong. What a great name. And uh, she kind of summarized herself at the end, but just looking at my notes, she talked about how it is pretty easy to get into photography because um, the technology has become easier. I mean, I guess she implied that compared to like learning how to paint or sculpt. Um, And there's lots of ways to learn and lots of classes to learn how to photograph well. There's even um, lots of classes on design and composition and color harmony and all of that. But there isn't a lot that's teaching how to get emotion in our portraits. And that is um, her passion. And I love that too. Um, She talked about how um, the principles of emotion like if you turn something from color to black and white, it creates an emotion because you're creating a different world. And so you're going to feel something different. And then uh, number two, there's things, colors, fragments, use of body language, um, uh, textures, open space, tight spaces, all of those things in any art create a feeling. But then we talked about um, six principles of uh, creating emotion. And I would say pleasant emotion is some of the things she was talking about uh, in, <laughs> in the work photographing people. And it starts with the mouth that there's a re- relaxed mouth rather than closed and tense can uh, bring us in to an emotional reaction Number two, the importance of taking a breath, relaxing, taking a nice deep breath and relaxing shoulders. She talked about vocal intonation, that it is everything and that we actually change people's body chemistry 
when we change our voice. And that was a big thing she talked about that the mirror neurons where we as a human species feel what others are feeling is a tool that as photographers we can use. Um, uh, let's see. And she said, don't be trying to coach people and create mirror neurons <laughs> and emotion with the camera in front of our face at first. But for her, once she gets that emoting happening, then she can put the camera up to her face and maintain her voice intonation and all of those things that start getting that emotion in the in the images. Number five, she talked a lot about the use of hands and um, giving them a job like a thumb in a pocket, touching a face, uh, touching a cheek, wrapping an arm around yourself. She called it almosting. So um, like I love an almost kiss in a photograph more than a kiss, you know, a smash smash a face together has one feeling, but when it's almost there as a human, I can almost feel the warmth and what that kiss might feel like. Um, so yeah, I love that. And then posture, gestures, um, creating curves. And she says, when you fold the body in on itself, that creates kind of a longing feeling if it's open and hands at the hips and such, that's a feeling of joy, positivity. There's a open, strong stance that creates a feeling when you look at it, as well as in our clients of confidence. So um, studying body posture and hands and, the, and breathing, I think, um, and vocal intonation in a nutshell. Those are the secret sauce and understanding that we all of the time, every minute of every day, we are feeling things and others are feeling things. And then we're sharing feeling between us is, is the, the human experience. She didn't say that, but I'm saying that. Anywho, so please again, share with your friends and, uh, jump in on my private Facebook group. It's called The Profitable Photographer. And also if you like the page, which is the Profitable Photographer page with Lucy Dumas, then we can communicate more and um, I can answer questions or you can share comments about this episode or any others. So until next time, bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.